It is a game day edition of Birds 365. We don't often get to say that. Uh, we did earlier this year a Monday nighter against the Dallas Cowboys, our second and final game day edition of the year. A Thursday night affair down at the link. The Philadelphia Eagles against that Brady guy who they've had uh, some success against, but like everyone else in the National Football League, not a ton of success against. Will they have success tonight? That's weird to talk about for the next two hours. Your Mac and Mac guy, John McMullen and Jody McDonald. Are you ready for a long one, John McMullen? No, I am not. I'm trying to amp it up. I'm trying to. Zach Berman is famously known as the most energetic of us. I'm trying to. I'm trying to manufacture energy, Jody McDonald. You're trying to channel your inner Zach Berman. Is that yeah. what you're trying to tell? tell I don't know. If it's manufactured, uh, you know, with Zach. I'm trying to manufacture it. Zach's um, <laughs> like Brandon nice, Graham. Huh? He's always up. Uh, he's usually up, but he's not up for tonight's game, and that's a loss for the Eagles. Although they uh, were effective at getting to uh, Mr. Darnold last week in Carolina. It might be a tougher task against the oh, yeah. uh, Tampa Bay Bucks tonight. They have a better offensive line. But a question on that offensive line there, center Ryan Jensen, is questionable for tonight's game. Don't know what he's going, whether he's going to play or not. Um, don't wouldn't put him in the same category as chasing Kelsey of the Eagles as far as importance to the line goes. And damn, if Kelsey isn't important right about now with all the other yeah. uh, w- wounded warriors on the Eagles' offensive line, how big a handicap is it tonight for the Bucks if Jensen can't go? Oh, big. I mean, Ryan Jensen is one of those guys who has shifted the thinking in the NFL because of how effective he's been. One of the reasons Landon Dickerson is here, to be honest, he's this big bullying center. You know, it is you bring up Jason Kelsey, it's sort of uh, diametrically opposed where Jason Kelsey's the athletic, undersized, uh, unbelievable technique. This guy just goes out there and beats you up. Big physical guy. Blocks to the whistle, sometimes after the whistle. Old school, nasty offensive lineman. If you think back in the day before the NFL shifted uh, with the safety dogman, all that kind of stuff, this is just a nasty, nasty offensive lineman. And he sets the tone for uh, Tampa Bay. And they do have, they have one of the best offensive lines in football. They're right there. I, I, you know, Dallas is in the equation, a couple other teams, but they are, they are strong everywhere. They're strong at tackle. We talked a little bit about Tristan Wirfs, the first round pick uh, in 2020 and how quickly he has caught on at right tackle. They have Donovan Smith. He's probably the worst uh, of their offensive linemen, I would say at left tackle. And he's pretty good. And then you have the the middle, which is Ryan Jensen, Ali Marpet, Alex Kappa, just all of them. Big physical guys, really good in the run game. Uh, actually, probably better at run blocking than pass blocking. Maybe that's where you kind of hang your hat on uh, is the fact that Javon Hargrave has been so dominant early in the season. Uh, Fletcher Cox finally showed some life in Carolina. And they're both good generating uh, pressure and penetration when they're when they're playing well. And that's probably if they have a little I'm not going to call it a weakness, but if they have a, a little bit where they're better at, it's going straight ahead. 
maybe you can use some of that athleticism. But I'm I'm digging deep here, Jody. It's, you know, it, it is to, funny. No, and some. thank you for that. Uh, I'm sure the Eagle fans want to know what the defensive line is up against tonight, and what it is is a tough task against that Tampa Bay line. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, we've certainly talked about a phrase that was prevalent when Andy Reid was the coach here in Philadelphia. And that's run-pass ratio because a lot of Philadelphia Eagle fans and critics think, do we ever run the ball? Uh, do we just throw it on every single down? Does every run-pass ratio have to turn into a pass, uh, run-pass option because uh, Jalen Hurts decides to pull that ball back out of his running back stomach? Yeah, Miles Sanders hasn't been able to produce what we thought they would. Kenny Gainwell is playing well most times when he catches the ball out of the backfield, not having the ball handed to him. The Eagles are not a running team. Well, compared to the Tampa Bay uh, Bucks, they're absolutely a running team. The Eagles run the ball 40, excuse me, 37% of the time. Their run pass ratio right now is 63-37, which is pretty heavy handed toward the pass. As a matter of fact, it puts them in the top 10 of passing teams uh, in the National Football League at ninth. The number one passing team in the National Football League, that would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who throw it 70%. 70% of the time, man, oh, man, do they like to throw. When you got a guy like Brady pulling the trigger, it's probably a pretty good idea, probably, probably a pretty good game plan. And with all the weapons they have, yes, this is the team that's going to throw the football. You don't see any changes in that tonight, do you, John? You, you think the Bucs? No, back no. I mean, yeah, you mentioned it. You have Tom Brady. Use Tom Brady. I mean, yeah, Jonathan Gannon was talking about it when he's talking about scheme, defensive scheme, and and talked about uh, how you're going to use Tom Brady. You're not going to use him in an RPO. If you have Tom Brady, you accentuate what you have, and that's strong the football. And then part of it is talent driven, and the fact that they don't have a great running back room you know, big name in Leonard Fournette, but he never lived up to expectations. You're going to find, I guarantee you, you're going to see one drop from Leonard Fournette tonight. Uh, they keep throwing him the football, but, um, you know, he's not that type of back. Ronald Jones, uh, Gio Bernard, which, you know, strikes me as that old. I, I, I was pretty excited by that signing strikes me as that old New England type running back, the James Whites of the world, who can really affect you out of the backfield. But we'll see if that develops down the road. But uh, they have so much talent outside with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and 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 um, uh, who, who am I missing? Uh, Antonio, uh, Brown, Antonio Brown. Player, yeah, yeah. yeah uh, Antonio Brown, who's been rescued by Tom Brady from uh, – I mean, that's as good a trio – in the NFL bottom line. And, and, you know, Rob Gronkowski is not playing, uh, which hurts, obviously one of the best tight ends. Certainly you could argue the best tight end of his generation. They still have OJ Howard and Cameron Braid. I mean, they're, they're deep uh, at the skill positions and they're deep with accomplished, successful players. Um, And they built around Tom Brady for, for a reason. I mean, you get Tom Brady at 43, you want to take advantage of what shelf life you have. They did it right away. They were able to do it right away, both take advantage of that shelf life, and they're doing it again. You know, when I, you hear this 
one of the biggest cliches, Jody, in the NFL is control what you can control. And especially on these weeks, these short weeks, I like to call them kiss weeks, not the band, not Gene Simmons. Keep it simple, stupid week. Um, you, you tend to fall back into your DNA as a team. You can't really spend time doing a lot of fancy things, preparing for the opponent. That's bad news this week. So you kind of hope your um, other things, you know, travel on the short week, um, trap game. People have brought that up. I've explained it like this. If, if Tampa Bay shows up with their A game, you're done. You're cooked. So you have to hope it is a trap game for them. You have to hope they're affected by some of these outside things and they play a C game or a D game. And then maybe you can get into the football game. And that's not where you want to be. You want to control what you can control. Now you got to hope the other team is showing up and dealing with some things. And that's – remember, this this team has a Super Bowl contender. So everyone says, well, you can afford to lose. You can't afford to lose mm. if you're a Super Bowl contender because you're not fighting against uh, just your opponent that week. You're fighting to get that number one seed, which is more meaningful now than ever because they expanded the playoffs. So only that number one seed gets that that all-important buy. So they got to think about the other teams. They got to think about Green Bay. They got to think about Arizona. It's more difficult to have that kind of letdown, and they're always on guard for it. couple reasons that I don't buy the trap game angle for this game. And, uh, again, I've been watching these games for a long time, uh, sneaking up on 50 years just as a fan, but 30-plus years as a member of the media. A trap game is usually when a team has a major game to look ahead to the next week. And I think trap games are more often home games because you take a team lightly. What trap equals to me is uh, taking a team a little too lightly, looking ahead to the next game. Well, I don't think the Bucks are taking the Eagles too lightly. At least Tom Brady said all the right things, gave the Eagles. Uh, well, they always props. say the right things. <laughs> Brady, so Brady does. Um, yeah. But I think the entire team on the road, short week, I think they're stone cold focused. So I don't buy that. And next week, if they had the Saints or someone in the division, Carolina, who was <clears> hanging <throat> tough at above 500. No, they got the Bears next week. And the Bears and the Eagles are two very similar teams. As a matter of fact, so I don't buy the whole trap week theory. Um, if you're looking to generate ways to think the Eagles can be competitive in this game, if they're going to be competitive, it's going to be because they have to play their A game or their A game plus. And you mentioned the uh, wideouts that the uh, Bucks have. They are the only team in the National Football League that have three wide receivers who have over 300 yards through five games. That's it. There's one team in the NFL that has three wide receivers over 300 yards at this stage of the season, and that's Tampa. We know how good their guys are. But they've got a fourth guy, Tyler Johnson, second-year wide receiver, who's filled in this year. Chris Miller got hurt early in the season, uh, is on IR right now. He's done a pretty nice job of being a playmaker, and Brady's not afraid to throw it to him. And because they are down a tight end with Gronkowski, now they've got good backup tight ends. The Eagles a little bit more uh, harshly stretched with the fact that Dallas Goddard may or may not play. You'll 
probably have to tweet it out, John, at some point this afternoon as to whether Goddard is going to be able to pass uh, the COVID protocol and be able to play tonight. Uh, doubtful is the way they describe it. I would the same, but until we know for sure, we don't know for sure. Um, if they do go to four wide receivers sets tonight, which Tampa does from time to time, we know that Jonathan Gannon said, we're not a dime team right now. They haven't played dime at all this year. They've never gone to six defensive backs on the field, any one snap. If they realize tonight, we better do this because Tampa's got this much talent on the outside. Who's the extra DB that gets on the field? Do they go three safeties? Is Marcus Epps the guy that comes out? How do they, if they feel the need, and they might not, and if they don't, Tom Brady's pretty good at this quarterback game. He's going to find the mismatch, whatever linebacker is coming, whatever uh, guy the uh, Bucks are putting into the pattern. Assuming they do go dime for at least a play or two tonight, who's going to be the extra DB on the field for them? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, they could go big nickel, what Jim Schwartz used to call it, put the extra safety in. I I think because of the the veteran sort of nature uh, of of Marcus Epps, he's played more, that might be the route they go. Um, You know, obviously, Zach McPherson as a rookie, that's tough uh, against Tom Brady. Uh, they could go that route. Uh, I would think they'd be more comfortable with Epps. But again, I, I think I brought this up earlier this week. If you're going to play zone, and this has been a zone team, yeah, I, I don't I don't know if it matters that much. Um, now, you can argue you shouldn't play that much zone. <laughs> um, and then, I'll, I'll, you know, I think that's a valid argument. But I, I don't think playing dime in zone is going to help you more than, than keeping a linebacker on the field. In fact, it'll probably hurt you more because, if anything, you're a bad run support team to begin with, and nobody can read a box better than Tom Brady. And even though they're not uh, a running team, as you mentioned, he will take it if you give it to him. Um, so I don't I don't know if it matters – with the way they've been playing. Now, if they change it up and they want to throw a curveball and they want to play a lot of man coverage, then yeah, you gotta you gotta get a corner on the field and you gotta you gotta throw Zach McPherson into the deep end of the pool. If they go four wide and one back, you don't think Brady's gonna eat that zone alive? Yeah, I do. I do, apart. but I think they're gonna play zone. Yeah, I think I I don't like zone. I think people often i i i hated the cover too when tony jungi was successful with it i hated that defense um because i thought you needed hall of fame players for it to succeed which the the cover two teams that succeed you know tampa would be the most obvious you had difference makers at all three levels hall of famers at all three levels the key being the linebacker, Derek Brooks, it was in Tampa Bay, who might be the best ever cover two linebacker, to be honest. Right. Uh, when you have Derek Brooks, uh, yeah, all right, I'll play it. Uh, Brian Erlacher for years in Chicago early in his career was like that as well. Um, not a long list. Not a long list. Um, and and who is the Derek Brooks slash Brian Urlacher <laughs> of the Eagles cover exactly. defense? Exactly. So I don't like it. 
I don't like the defense, but what I'm telling you, if you're going to play that defense, it probably hurts you even more to take a linebacker off the field. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and and I, I understand the philosophy that you're laying out, but then I look at the talent that is on the eagle side of the ball. And is it best to play this defense with the talent you had? I, I was impressed with John McCann, and I thought he said some really smart things this week. Uh, about his defense and not trying to put the square peg in the round hole and not explain why, well, we don't really have a scheme. When I said that, here's what I really meant, that he needs to stay fluid, that he gives props to his opponent, that he's not so obnoxious and bullheaded that here's my defense. This is what we do. This is what we play. No, your opponent changes week in and week out. Their strengths change week in and week out. Well, I'm judging the strengths of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and they're pretty damn strong, it scares me that if that's what they're going to do, we're going to sit back in zone. We're going to keep everything in front of us. Well, then Tom Brady is going to surgically pick you apart, take it down the field, and stick it in the end zone about four or five times tonight. Well, I, I don't disagree with you, but this is a tough matchup. So I would ask you, what's the other side of that coin? Um I, I, are you going to blitz? Here's uh, the other side of the coin for me. Sorry to interrupt you. Um, the, the Tampa's a, not only a, a very talented team, a well-coached team, a smart team, um, and their defensive coordinator got a lot of uh, uh, preps last year, props last year for uh, the job that he did. Um, although, uh, believe me when I tell you, he's not a head coach. Some people can't believe, how is he not getting an interview for head coaching position? Well, we saw him as a head coach for the New York Jets, and it didn't didn't go well. And there are some guys like that who are just great coordinators who really aren't head coach material. Um, but they, they've they got their read on the Philadelphia Eagles five weeks through. They go through all the tape. They haven't seen any dime coverages. So Jonathan Gannon has spoken at length about how deception is a big part of the National Football League. And you try and do something the other team isn't expecting. And that gives you an advantage. Well, I'd be a little bit different tonight. If you're gonna, you're an underdog to begin with. You're a seven-point dog at home. You might as well pull out some of the stops and try and throw something at Tom Brady and this Buccaneer offense that they're not expecting to see. Well, then I go back again to the short week and number one. So it's not the week where you want to implement new schemes. And we talk about this is when you fall back to your DNA. And it's not just the Eagles. It's everybody in the short week. Tampa Bay didn't practice. Nobody practices for the Thursday night games. It's all walkthroughs. It's all mental. It's all that type of stuff. So that would be something you might want to do on the bye week, coming off the bye week, when you had a little bit extra time to prepare, a little bit extra time to implement some new stuff. Um, it's probably something you really want to do in the summer, to be honest, but we're long past that. I, I was going to say, didn't they work on this during those long, yeah. hard practice days of summer? Oh, that's right. They didn't have yeah. any of those. And, but but I any. mean, this is just not the week to do it for that reason. And oh, by the way, and, and JG said this early, what the hell are you going to show Tom Brady that hasn't seen? I mean, he might not have seen it on the tape, for you uh, playing early in the season. But if you want to roll out what you're not comfortable with against Tom Brady, good luck with that. Uh, you got a point there. Tom yeah. Brady's kind of been there, done that on almost everything in the National Football League. All right, he is John McMullen. I'm Jordan McDonald, Mac and Mac Guys, Birds 365, a game day edition.
few and far between during the year. Uh, Eagles against the Bucks tonight down at the link. We'll come back. We'll bring in our first guest for the day. What, what did you call him in the text the other day? Game day Kratz? Yes. Game day Kratz. Uh, game day game Kratz. Day Ed Kratz. <laughs> it doesn't get any better, Ed Kratz, than game day Ed Kratz. Eddie Kratz will uh, join us from Sports Illustrated. John's uh, co-worker over there. Ed Kratz joins us next here on Birds 365. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Game day edition of Birds 365 coming your way right now. John McMullen, Jody McDonald, joined by our most frequent guest here on Birds 365. That's because John goads him into it every single time we need him. <laughs> but when he joins us, he always comes with the goods. From Sports Illustrated, our buddy Ed Kratz jumps aboard Birds 365. How are you today, AK? Doing great. Thanks. Yeah, beautiful sun shining. Big game tonight in South Philly. Great day. There's a game tonight? Yeah, game day at Kratz. That's the best at Kratz, as I said. Uh, I, I expect so. to see you down at Lincoln Financial Field in about two hours, I think, uh, to beat the traffic. That'll you know, be me, was, not you. 
Well, I'll tell you what. Last year, when I th- I can't remember who it was, but I thought it was a one o'clock kickoff, and I showed I remember it at ten thirty, <laughs> and it was a four thirty game. It might have been the Saints for some reason. I'm thinking. Yeah, Saints. I remember that. I'm get. I got there, and I'm like, boy, this pandemic has really put a, <laughs> a real dent in things here. There's nobody here. <laughs> uh, uh, both of you guys are early arrivals. We know that is the case. Uh, Tampa's going to arrive in time and four and one and looking good and defending Super Bowl champions. I'm painting a pretty grim picture, Ed. Uh, Give me a nugget off the top as to why the Eagles have a fighter's chance against the Bucs tonight. I'm going to go with the pass defense. You know, that Bucks pass defense isn't very good, and now it's going to be without Antoine Winfield, the, the safety, uh, and we're going to probably see our old friend uh, Andrew Adams. Andrew Adams, yeah. With How the about Eagles that? in camp, yep. So that's the little nugget that I have is this pass defense for the Tampa Bay Bucks is dead last in the NFL, and the Eagles have some receivers that are young, yes, but – they are coming along each week with Quez Watkins and Devontae Smith. I think they can do some damage in the pass game. Will it be enough? No. I don't so I, I, I've told fans this all week, Ed. Can we at least, for the reason you just spoke of, in the other side of the spectrum, that Tampa Bay run defense, can we at least press pause on establish the run for one week, and then yeah. we can get back to it <laughs> next week? Because you got to take advantage of the Tampa Bay uh, uh, pass defense, the secondary. It's so banged up. They bring Richard Sherman in basically off the street. He's got to play a ton of snaps. Um, So they're really injured on top of the fact they haven't been that effective. You mentioned Antoine Winfield. This game's on Sunday. He probably plays and gets through the concussion protocol. Can't get through by Thursday. You got to take advantage of it, right? Forget about the run. Yeah. And, and, you know, you could probably say the same thing about Rob Gronkowski, who has the rib injury. If this game were Sunday, he probably would be able to play. He's close. And and maybe even Levante David, uh, they're they're really talented linebacker who will not play. And that's another big blow to that defense. Um, But yeah, this isn't a game for the run the football crowd uh, or for Miles Sanders, actually, for that, for that, uh, you know, either. Um, But listen, you just can't live on the pass. And I know the Eagles have been doing that, but we saw them try to do it against the Cowboys. They ran the ball three times to the running backs. We saw them try to do it against the Chiefs, these high powered offenses and Let's face it, the Bucks take this Bucks offense takes a backseat to nobody when it comes to explosive offenses. You know, they've got so many weapons. I was looking at it again this morning with, you know, Godwin, Evans, um, Antonio, Antonio Brown, and Ronald Jones and Leonard yeah. Fournette. I mean, they're OJ Howard's a very good tight end. I mean, they just have weapons everywhere. Uh, so you're gonna have to try to control the ball somehow. And if you're not going to do it with your run game, and I don't think you'll be able to, because like you said, John, they, they give up like 45 yards a game on the ground, <laughs> uh, which is crazy, ridiculous. Uh, so you're going to have to do it with screens. And, you know, the Eagles have run, I think, 29 screen passes in these first five games. Uh, it, it was so, it was so bad to watch in Carolina. Yeah. They just kept doing it over and over and they had no success with it, but we've seen that, that part of the game work in previous games. So I expect the game plan to be again, screen pass heavy and try to take deep shots. 
All right, so let me get this straight. I've heard you guys lay it out and done a very nice job. Thank you very much. I think I got a pretty good grasp on this. The Bucks defense has a weakness. They give up a lot of runs against the Pats. Uh, the Eagles like to throw the football. Well, then let's start at the beginning. The coin flip. Eagles win. Do they defer like it seems like everybody in the National Football League does? Or do they actually say, yeah, give us the football. We think we can throw it against the Buccaneers. Let's start with us with the football in our hands. Love that mentality, Jody. I'm right there with you, but they won't do it. They'll oh. defer. Didn't they do it once? I think they did it once earlier this season. I have to double yeah, check. Maybe in the opener. They took yeah, the ball maybe in I the season opener in Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. I, I, right. I agree with Jody, Ed, because if you're playing a team that's better than you, you want to shorten the game. Take the football right away. Hope you go on a seven, eight-minute drive. Shorten the game. I, Jody's right. I mean, nobody thinks that way. Typically, yeah. if I'm Tampa Bay and I have the great offense, if I'm Kansas City, if I'm Dallas, yeah, I'll defer. I, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I have confidence in my offense. But if I'm the underdog, I want to shorten the game. Is yeah. that crazy? No, I love I love that approach. You know, it's like if, if you take a Lamborghini out for a test drive, you want to hit that gas right away, man. You want to get that thing, you know, revved up to where you know 100 miles an hour, uh, and and that's the way it is with your with your offense. You know, you want to come out and you want to hit the gas right away, and you want to see if you can take that seven nothing lead early, and, and put the other team on its heels. Now, you know, Tampa Bay is an exp- experienced team; they don't care if they're down seven nothing you know, with 10 minutes to go in the first quarter. But, yeah, I would take the ball, see what my offense can do, get down there and get some points early. I, I mentioned this to John um, earlier in the week, Ed. Uh, I saw a great stat, a nugget you could call it, um, about the Eagles and Thursday nights. If I'm oh, looking yeah. to be optimistic about the Eagles on Thursday nights, there is some history that says maybe we can go there. Uh, do you know the nugget I'm referring to, Ed Kratz? I do. I do. And there's been some, you know, I, I tweeted out that it was seven straight wins on Thursday because that's what the NFL communication sent me in an email was the Eagles have won seven straight Thursday games. But now I've since seen it. It is it's six straight Thursday games. Six is still not bad. That's not bad. Six straight wins on Thursday yeah. night. And, and you consider, listen, they went into Green Bay, I think, two years ago and won on a Thursday night when no one expected them to. The, the infamous Jeff Lurie wanted to throw the ball more game, even though they beat the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay? <laughs> yep, that's the one I'm talking about. Um, uh, and Malcolm Jenkins makes the big interception. They couldn't, Aaron Rodgers couldn't get the ball into the end zone on fourth, you know, first and goal. He had four cracks at it. So they won that game. Then they went down to Carolina in their Super Bowl year. Uh, and they won a really hard fought game against a good Panthers team that year. So, yeah, they, you know, listen, they've done well on Thursday and they're going to have to do really, really well on this Thursday to beat the Bucs. But it's a great stat. It's one it is, it, and it's six and zero since 2016. Okay, which is Doug Peterson. So Doug Peterson was six and zero on Thursday night football. Now you have Nick Sirianni. Now, look, part of that is just circumstance, opponent, where you are. By the way, veteran team typically under Doug in a keep it simple, stupid week where everybody defaults to their um, DNA as a team. Now we have a rookie head coach um, with a young team, especially on offense, um, and you're facing 
the team that's probably easiestly can lean on their DNA, their quarterback, and just say, go out there and play. Nah, I don't like I don't like this setup for Nick Sirianni. My two negative Ed Kratz. Well, I'm uh, always no, too negative. But. Not at all, but you're right. I mean, you know, Doug had the veteran team. This is a young team at key positions, <clears throat> you know, and remember that Carson went on those Thursday nights most of the time. I'd have to look and see which of those games he was injured for. Um, I would bet there was Probably one quite or two. A <laughs> <laughs> but listen, you say the rookie head coach, you also have a rookie defensive coordinator yeah. in Jonathan Gannon. And, you know, we talked to him, I think, on Monday, I guess it was Tuesday. And he was talking about throwing stuff out the window, you know, coverages that he wants to play, but he's got to throw them out the window because you can't practice them. Everything's a walkthrough. Yeah. So, you know, they're kind of stripping things down too, and they're going to have to kind of rely on – you know, whatever their DNA is at this point. He also talked about, yeah, I do have a scheme. Remember, he took a lot of heat last week for, you know, saying, oh, I don't have a scheme. Uh, and everybody's like, geez, does he know what he's doing? Uh, he kind of came out on Tuesday and said, hey, I flubbed that answer. I do have a scheme. He didn't mention what it was. It was still about putting players in the best positions to, to do the job. So I thought he did a nice job in Carolina, Gannon, with uh, some of the adjustments that he made. I think he blitzed a little bit more. Uh, he also was able to do some things up front with that D line to free up Fletcher Cox with some stunt <laughs> and uh, different pressures from different angles. So, um, you know, I hope that that's kind of their template going into Tampa is what they did in Carolina. And I, and I suspect it will be. All right, Eddie uh, K and John, uh, I'd like uh, take from both of you guys on this one. Uh, I know we all agree that this season is at least in part, an evaluation of Jalen Hurts, that the Eagles are trying to come to the determination, is this guy our quarterback for 22 and 23 and 24? Um, assuming we're all correct about that. Each game is another test for Jalen Hurts. Are these tests weighted? Do you take more out of a matchup against a team like Tampa Bay, the defending champions, Tom Brady on the other side than you would say, oh, I don't know, last week against Carolina, young, somewhat ascending team against a more comparable quarterback like Sam Darnold. Are the evaluation on Jalen Hurts being weighted this year in the minds of uh, the guys who are going to make that decision in the Eagle front office is my question. Yeah, I, I think I think it could be. Um, I think they're going to take into a wide body of, of uh, information, you know, and I think one of that is going to be, listen, he might not be our quarterback for 2023, but can we give him 2022 and use some of this draft capital next year to build other parts of this team like defense? You know, I think if they have those three first round picks, I would go defensive line, linebacker and safety. Um, you're hoping that 2022 Hertz can be the guy. Um, I don't really see a good quarterback coming into the draft at this point. I know there will be guys that will rise up, but we already saw Spencer Rattler get benched in Oklahoma. He was the – That's you know, amazing, he, by the way. It, it is. I mean, he was the guy that was going to be the first quarterback taken. Now, we've seen some other quarterbacks step up, Matt Coral in Mississippi and, you know, Malik Willis in Liber at Liberty. But, you know, I, I'm not sure how good of a class it is, so you hope that – you know, that's taken into account is, you know, he's doing good enough to be our quarterback in 2022. He's growing with these wide receivers that are still around his same age, 22, 23 years old with Devonte Smith, Quez Watkins, maybe Jalen Rager. Um, 
but listen, his numbers are pretty good. I mean, he scored 10 touchdowns. It was accounted for 10 touchdowns, seven through the air, three with his legs. He's fifth in total yards uh, among players in the NFL behind guys like Jamal or Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, Justin Herbert, Tom Brady, um, good players. He, he's fifth in, in total yards. I mean, this guy can get it done with his arm and his legs. Now, the counter for me to that would be they're really asking him to do a whole lot. He's accounted for 87% of their total yards this year, which, you know, quarterbacks are going to be up there naturally because of the position. But you're doing it at the expense of Miles Sanders and John, uh, Kenny Gainwell. I mean, to me, I think you need to have a little bit more designed runs. They're really putting a lot on Hertz's plate. So they're going to have a lot to evaluate, Jody, uh, when it comes to him, whether or not they weighed it that, hey, he played the Chiefs. He played the Bucks. We all knew coming into this season when you looked at the schedule that there was no chance they were going to win either of those games, right? So maybe yeah. they take that into account and they do weight it a little bit or curve it, however you want to put it. But um, I think it's going to be a whole, you know, bunch of analytical information that they're going to analyze, uh, overanalyze to make a decision on him. You know, it's interesting to answer Jody's question. I think they should be grading on a curve. I mean, I, I think it's unfair if you're not, yeah. but, but I do want to, I do want to talk about something you mentioned. They're putting too much on Jalen Hurts's plate. I think from a number standpoint, I agree with you. Ed. You look at it, this whole offense is Jalen Hurts uh, leads the team in, in rushing, obviously, and passing. <laughs> you have to be as the starting quarterback. But the percentage of the total offense looks skewed. On the other hand, I look at it and say, are they asking him to do enough? Because when it is bubble screen, swing pass, uh, screen pass, um, it, it might, again, without that context, and you and I were front row to see how ugly that first half was in Charlotte last week. They didn't ask him to do a lot, but he was – a part of all the numbers because the offense is driven through them. When you talk about those intermediate throws, is he the long-term answer quarterback? That's what I want to see. I want to see them take off the shrink wrap and put a bigger offense together to see what Jalen Hurts can do. Is, is, is that crazy or is it maybe he's not doing enough? Yeah. I mean, when I say he's doing a lot, I mean, he's really the one that's deciding whether he's handing the ball off or not. You know, like he, he, they're asking him to read the defense when he goes to make a handoff. Miles Sanders said earlier in this year that every play is a running play. Okay. So it, it's incumbent on Hertz to decide, okay, this isn't going to work. If I hand it to him, I'm going to keep it and see what I can do. I mean, that that's asking him to do an awful lot. Um, you know, when you talk about keeping it simple, I, I don't see the harm in saying, okay, let's toss it to Kenny Gainwell and get him on the edge, get him outside with speed. You know, let's see a little bit more variation to running the football instead of letting Hertz decide, yeah, I can't hand it off here because uh, I'm, you know, I'm reading this defender and, oh, he's going to smash Sanders in the hole and we're not going to get any yards. I say, Run some design plays. I mean, that when he's when, when I'm talking about he's doing too much, I just think they're asking him to control too much of the game. I mean, take some of that decision making away from him and and dial up some of these, get some guys to the perimeter. All the runs, it looks like, are between the tackles. 
and they're not getting anything outside except late it's, in the game when they run out of bounds. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, it's just, it, it's, it's mind boggling why they don't do that more. I mean, I, you know, like I said, it's going to be a hard game to run against you know, a hard team to run against anyway, Tampa Bay. So yeah. I'm not sure you're going to see much of it, but I would like to see more than just, okay, the screen pass, let's throw a screen pass. And that's really a run. That's an extension of the run. You know, stop with that, please. Hand that ball off, whether it's <laughs> on the perimeter, but get guys outside the tackles. By the way, real quick, I want to say this because Paul Domowitz, our buddy, just tweeted this out. So the Eagles' low run percentage, 37%, is 27th in the NFL. Um, throw in the, their 29 screens, 29 screens <clears throat> in the first five games, and that run percentage jumps to 46 Point four, So that was the Andy Reid mentality. Count the screens in the run game. They actually run it. That's where Nick is. We actually run it more than you think, even if it's not a run. But well, that's geez. the way they think. That, that's not that's not predictable at all. Huh? 29 <laughs> screen passes. Geez, let, if you're a defensive coordinator, you're like, okay, we're ready for the screen. Uh, and and remember how when Doug was here the last few years, it's like, how come there aren't any screens? The yeah, screen, where's yeah, the screen? And yeah. now here we are with another coach. It's like, please stop with all the screens. Yeah. So there has to be a happy medium in there somewhere, I think. Yeah, I never bought when Andy Reid used it as an explanation. Well, a screen is a run. What are you talking about? No, it's not. It's a pass. And oh, by the way, how many did they throw to Miles Sanders? And how many yards did they get? Like. Uh, a yard per screen play. I think it was no, six it's, yards that's part and five. Of the run game. Yeah. Then guess what? Your run game sucks. How about you try <laughs> and improve it? No, I'm not buying that. All right, let's go to the other side of the football and uh, what the Eagles are going to have to try and do defensively against Tom Brady. Here's what scares the snot out of me tonight, Ed. They not only have three wide receivers, all of which have over 300 yards so far in the first five games, the only team in the NFL which with such stats, uh, but they got a fourth wide receiver, Ty Johnson, who I think could be a player tonight. Um, Tom Brady's Tom Brady. Uh, Eagles going to have enough guys who can legitimately cover top flight wide receivers in the National Football League to keep Brady from having 300 or 300 plus. He only had 400 last week. Hmm. Uh, but I, I'd settle if they could hold them to 300 tonight. Can they get that kind of coverage? Well, I'd feel a lot better if Jonathan Gannon believed in the dime defense. You know, I think this is a game where you need your defensive backs on the field. Um, you know, and the dime defense puts six of those on the field, but he doesn't play that. Um, but you have a team. I mean, even Scotty Miller, you mentioned Ty Johnson. Scotty Miller is still a good receiver, too. Yeah, Scotty's on IR. He's he is oh, a good okay. receiver. Geez, thank uh, goodness. But they have a, a fourth receiver. Uh uh, who is it? Ty Johnson. Me. Ty Johnson, yeah. Ty uh, Johnson. They're still yeah. really good. But you're right. Scotty Miller's one of those guys who they would use as that fourth receiver and just go deep down the field and they would just yeah. kill you with man coverage. So the Eagles, it's a banged up team. A lot of injuries um, for Tampa Bay. Scotty mm -hmm. Miller's so far down the list, you don't think about him. But he's a really good player. Problem is, they still have a really good fourth receiver. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, Jody, I don't think they're going to hold Tom Brady under 300 yards. I, I just don't see it. I mean, Mike Evans is a mismatch for a lot of teams. And, you know, last week you were able to kind of focus in on DJ Moore being the guy that you have to stop. Yeah, you got Robbie Anderson, uh, but we're going to put Darius Slay on uh, DJ Moore. Now, 
what are you going to do tonight with these three receivers? I mean, Steve Nelson to me is a, is a pretty good cornerback <laughs> and probably a little underrated at this point in this defense. Uh, I like the Eagles corners this year. It looks like they have two very good ones in Slay and Nelson, but you know, you have three, I mean, you're going to have to rely on Avante Maddox, you know, coverings, maybe Chris Godwin out of the slot, wherever they line him up. I mean, it, it's going to be a tall task. And again, I would like to get some more of my, you know, quicker athletes on the field, which means playing six defensive backs. And, and, you know, Gannon doesn't like to do that for whatever reason, that's not part of his scheme. So what are you going to do? I mean, are you going to have your linebackers try to cover one of these receivers or, or, or the tight end OJ Howard, uh, or, or Cameron Brait. I mean, they, they've just got guys all over the place. And you're going to really have to rely on your pass rush again. But the problem with that is, is Tom Brady really gets the ball out quickly. Uh, you know, these defensive linemen should hopefully be taught this week. And, and I'm sure they know, but you got to get your hands up in the pass rush. You got to try to affect the passing lane because you're probably not going to get on to Brady unless he holds the ball for a deep shot, but he's going to get the ball out quick. And that means these D linemen have to get their arms up to try to block the passing lane and hopefully deflect the pass. Maybe it gets picked off um, because it's going to be a really, really tough matchup for this offense. And, you know, we saw Gannon try to, or uh, Sirianni try to match wits with, you know, these explosive offenses by going toe to toe and try to outscore them against the Cowboys. Didn't work against the chiefs. It didn't work. And, and I, I think he might try to do that again tonight, and I don't think it's going to work again. Boy, that's crazy. Yeah, that, that's crazy, Ed. It, it, uh, I thought it at the time. I've kind of forgotten about it because they came back, uh, you know, an improbable win in Carolina. you got to give them a lot of credit for perseverance. Team win, defense is great, special teams chips in with two big plays, the Jake Elliott field goal, the block punt, all that good. I, I go back and we talked about Nick Sirianni as a rookie head coach and his game plans and the screens. <laughs> you hit the nail on the head to me. Kansas City and Dallas, what the hell are you thinking trying to outscore those teams? So we go back to Jody's point about winning the coin toss, take the football, does he learn from Kansas City and Dallas? Does he try to shorten this game? Whatever that looks like. I don't care what it looks like. It could be Jalen Hurts running the football. Um, is he going to learn from those losses against Kansas City and Dallas? Because they can't win a shootout. This can't be Super Bowl 52. No. They're not winning a shootout. No, you're right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's a short week, right? We've all talked about the short week, ad nauseum, short week, short week. Maybe this short week has, um, maybe, you know, maybe he hasn't, ha hasn't had time to overthink this, um, you know, and he'll, he'll have learned from that. You hope that he has learned from it. Um, but what are you going to do to shorten the game? We already talked about this run game being difficult. Uh, you know, it's going to be hard to run against this defense. Um, maybe the screens, maybe Jalen Hurts, maybe you try to do more RPOs on the outside with him, or, yeah. or maybe you try to get outside this. It's very fast, this defense, but not having Levante David in the middle, I think is an advantage for the Eagles. Now, how are they going to take advantage of it? Uh, are, are they going to try to hit some stuff on the perimeter? 
that aren't screen passes? Are they going to try to, you know, quick pitch to Kenny Gainwell, who can really fly? We'll see. I hope that he has learned his lesson, but I'm not real convinced that he has. Um, Especially when you like, like I said, when you look at this run defense, he's probably like, how are we going to control the ball against a team like this? So we're not going to be able to run very, very well against. Eddie, I'm going to ask you to make a little bit of a prediction for me. Um, Tampa's defense tonight against Eagles offense. We know Lane Johnson is out again, so we're going to have um, a lot on the right side and Dillard on the left side at the tackle positions. John Sky Dillard has played effectively since he's been thrown into the lineup. <laughs> I love when you games. say he's my guy. I just he's your think guy. He's he talent. always has been, and I think <laughs> I think you'll die on that hill, McMullen, as a matter of fact. But he hasn't. He, he survived the last two weeks. Actually, got to give him a thumbs up. He has played well enough. Which Three weeks. Side... He's played well. Three weeks. Give him credit, the, Jody. Two as a starter, and well, Johnson's been out three straight weeks. Uh, no, he, he was playing for Jordan. At oh, for my lot out. Then, yeah, right. Yeah. My, my, my bad. Um, well, I meant two weeks. I meant with my lot on the opposite side. Thank you for the correction. Um, which side do you think the Bucks try and get their pressure from? If they're going to be bringing their outside linebacker on one side, maybe a blitz every once in a while on one side, do they come at my lot's end or Dillard's end? I think they're going to mix it up. You know, both these tackles, uh, you know, listen, Malata is good. We saw it last year, but he's not proven in this league over, you know, the long term. Uh, So I think they're going to mix it up. I think they're going to try to confuse the Eagles with where they're coming, confuse this offensive line because it is kind of a patchwork. Malata is not as good at right tackle as he is at left tackle. Now, maybe that could change with the more and more he plays there. And it looks like there's a chance that he could be playing there a lot uh, in these next few weeks. Uh, we don't know what Lane Johnson's status is, but yeah, I think they'll probably try to confuse them with different looks. You have a 23 year old quarterback in his 10th start. You have an offensive line that is, is pretty young with a rookie uh, Landon Dickerson on it. Now, Jason Kelsey, obviously the veteran, but it's a, it's a big load. And I would be concerned about pressure up the middle too, with Nadama Kinsu, who, you know, he isn't what he was, obviously, but he's still very good. And Vita Vey is just, you know, a handful. And these guys can get right up into that quarterback's face um, and, and really wreak havoc. And quarterbacks, we all know, don't like to get pressure up the middle. So, you know, you're going to see pressure coming from all different angles, I think, um, uh, with this Todd Bowles coach defense. And it's going to be a handful, no doubt. All right, Ed, we got to get you on record. And before we do that, si.com backslash Eagles backslash NFL, EagleMaven.com. Read Ed's work, does a phenomenal job covering this team. Give me a score, Eagles, Bucks. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of points for the Bucks, probably about 35 of them. And I don't think it's going to be quite as much for the Eagles. I'm going to say probably 21. Maybe 24, but I'm going to go Bucks 35, Eagles 21. Um, Ooh, we're very close this off. week. We're How's very that? close. We're very close this week, you yeah. and I. Well, well I just we... don't. I just don't see see how it can happen for the Eagles. I, you know, listen, I I don't. Maybe they'll surprise me. But when you look, like I said, when you looked at this schedule when it came out in April or May, whenever it was, you look and say, "Oh my gosh, the Chiefs lost." Oh my, oh my gosh, the Bucks lost. I mean, these were, and there's nothing that's been done in the interim to change my mind that it's going to be a loss. 
As a matter of fact, uh, I remember week one, you and I almost had the exact same score, Ed. I, I got a little closer. If John says you're close, uh, I guess I'm going to be the optimistic Eagle fan. Not, I didn't say I was picking the Eagles, but uh, Ed's got them uh, down by two touchdowns. I actually think the Eagles will do more offensively against this Bucks defense tonight, but we shall see. Uh, Mr. Kratz, always a pleasure. John will th- see you down to save. You're leaving now? We got yeah, you off the now. air. See you down there. Get down there. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely, I'm going to be the guy doing 45 yeah, with his yeah. flashers on. Ed, they moved it way. up. It's a one o'clock kickoff. You got to get down there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Ed. Ed Thanks, Chris, uh, Thanks, Illustrated, our guy here on Verge 365. All right, Johnny and I still got an hour left to go. We got much yeah. more to break down on the Eagles and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Come right back with us here on Verge 365. <laughs> comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight tears. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resorts. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. John McMullen and Jody McDonald, a.k.a. Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. Thank you, Eddie Kratz. Mac and Mac and Kratz here with us on a game day. Thursday, Eagles Bucks coming up tonight. And as we've noted, shoot, since Monday, John, a short week. I like your test theory of keep it simple, stupid. And shoot, Nick Sirianni came right out and said that, that 
it's going to be difficult because you aren't going to be adding anything to the mix. No practices, just walkthroughs. So it's going to be what we've seen the first five weeks of the Philadelphia Eagles accentuated here in week number six. And I think that's advantage Patriots. Sorry to say uh, they are the defending Super Bowl champions. They have the quarterback who's only established himself as the greatest of all time against the guy who is just jumping to double digits in career starts with this one. It'll be career start number 10 for Jalen Hurts. So if both teams have simplified it for this week because it's a Thursday night, that's not just an advantage for the Bucs. That's a massive advantage, John. I agree. I agree. If you're going to just default to what you do best, I mean, I don't even know what the Eagles do best at this point. I mean, it's going to be RPO. So, you know, but the one thing, and I'm going to give the one thing I will say, because I, I want to get the exact number, um, uh, run defense for the Bucks 45.8 uh, yards per game they give up on the ground. If you want to bet something, I'm going to bet the over on that. And the reason why is because of Jalen Hurts and the RPOs in the run game. He's going to get outside himself. There's going to be quarterback keepers. The Eagles are going to get over that number. So, again, it might be unconventional, uh, but I think that they can shorten the game. We talked about shorten the game. I think your idea is is a good one. If you win the coin toss, uh, take the football, uh, try to limit, uh, try to keep the football out of the hands of Tom Brady as much as possible. Um, I, I think it's so obvious. And if Nick Sirianni, because I, I thought of all the criticisms of Nick Sirianni to date, I think the most relevant one and the most concerning one is that he went into that Kansas City, really the Dallas game, but where he flat out said, we're going to have to keep up with this team. They're going to score some points. What are you thinking? You're not capable of that right now. You don't have Phillip Rivers chucking it uh, from the pocket all over the field. Uh, you have to go about it a different way. And if he can't figure that out, that's the biggest red flag to me to date, to be honest. And I hope, I don't know how this game is going to go. Uh, I've been waiting for the 41-33 prediction. That's not going to happen. Um, but it, it, it's, I want to see a game plan from Nick Sirianni that makes sense. And it ain't trying to run and trying to run up and down the floor like your Paul Westhead with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It ain't going to work. <clears throat> See, I'm, I'm more concerned about Jonathan Gannon tonight than I am about Nick Sirianni. Um, I do think the Eagles are going to get a whole bunch of yards and a pretty good amount of points as well. Uh, I just uh, I keep continue pointing out, though, no-dime defense. I think Brady's going to go nuts tonight. I think he's going to pick this. And I know we're coming off probably the best defensive week of the year. Week one against Atlanta was pretty good, but uh, at the time we didn't know what Atlanta's offense was, and Atlanta's offense isn't great. Not that Carolina's offense, Suns, uh, their, their number one running back, Christian McCaffrey, uh, is all that great either, but they come up huge with three different interceptions. Um, so uh, the major 
bounce back week for the Eagles defensively. I fear that the Bucs are going to make us question the Eagles' defense again this week because I think Brady is just going to surgically tear them apart. If if I told you tonight the Eagles are going to score 31 points, John, would you say, wow, Jonathan Gannon did a, a, a good – well, no, excuse me. Uh, would you say that uh, Nick Sirianni – is 31 points enough to think you have a chance to win tonight's game? That's the way I'll phrase it. Um, probably not. <laughs> because yeah, and I'll and say, say it the same way. thing. Then that then to me that's like more on the defensive but, coordinator but, than it is but, on that. But I'll say it. I'll say I think it's a little bit different. I think if the Eagles are scoring thirty-one points, I go back to truly my guy. You say Andre Dillard's my guy. Jim Swartz is my guy. I admit That's that. That's true too. I go, hey. I go, I go on board. Uh, what Jim would say is games have personalities. If the Eagles are scoring thirty-one points, it's a shootout. If the game is a shootout, Tampa Bay is going to score thirty-five or forty or something. So no, if the game goes that way, I don't think it, it's going to be enough uh, to beat Tampa Bay. Um, but I do think, and what I kind of said about. Nick Sirianni has been uh, impressive from Jonathan Gannon in this point. You know, people look at Carolina. The defense showed up in Carolina. The defense did different things. That's how, um, you know, that's how a lot of fans see it. The defense was more aggressive. They blitzed a little bit more. They played man coverage. They did more stunts. Well, yeah, they were playing Sam Darnold. They were playing uh, an offensive line that's not only bad when they're healthy, they were down two starters in Cam Irving, uh, Cam Irving and uh, Pat Elfline. They 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 were terrible on the offensive line. Now you go back to Kansas City, as I said. I I had- for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No problem with the plan against Kansas City. I, I thought they I thought it worked, except for they didn't get off the field. They wanted them to go on long drives. They wanted them to force them to go to the length of the field. And as I said, then you hope for a, a false start, a holding penalty, something, and they get off the field. And why I bring this up is, Jody, Buffalo beats Kansas City the next week. Everybody saw it, national television, um, except in my hotel room in Charlotte, which was having a, a fight with NBC. But nonetheless, I digress. <laughs> they used the same stinking game plan. Cover two, cover two, cover two, cover two. Everybody does that against Kansas City because they're scared to death of Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. They implemented it. They executed it. The Eagles implemented it. They didn't execute it. I see Jonathan Gannon looking at the opposing team and saying, okay, I can do some things against Carolina. I can do some different things. And I think that's a positive. Um, 
I see Nick Sirianni going into a game against Dallas and Kansas City, and now we'll see again tonight. No, you got you got to go. You got to do the offensive version of cover two. Shorten the game. That's the offensive version of cover two. Like right, let, that let, to me is a sound plan. Now I don't know if you can execute a sound plan, but that is the sound plan. What is the poor plan to me, in my opinion, is to go say, "Hey, let's go run with this team. Let's go try to outscore them." I don't think that's a very good plan. I hope that's not his plan. All right. Uh, one of the things we will not know until game time is whether uh, Dallas Goddard is going to be able to play. Um, I would call it doubtful at this point. Uh, if you get him, it's almost like uh, icing on the cake, uh, found money, call it what you want. Um, but it doesn't look like he's going to be able to get out of the uh, COVID protocol before tonight's game. If that's the case, Zach Ertz is going to play a lot, more than he's played all year, because they've had both tight ends available for the first five games. And uh, I when we dealt with the Zach Ertz thing all during the offseason, he's going to be traded this is the week, he's going to be gone. Oh, he shows up at camp. Oh, he's actually doing okay. Oh, he's taking a stance. He's wearing his shorts inside out. He doesn't really want to be here. Howie Roseman's still. T- and lo and behold, here's Zach Ertz, and he's still here. We're five weeks into the season. I know the trade deadline is two weeks and change away, and they may still make him available. But for this week, he's the man at tight end. He's going to be a key contributor tonight for the Philadelphia Eagles. He's been okay. You continued to tell me during uh, the summer that he was oftentimes the best pass catcher that they had as they were going through their practices and seemed like he had a good working relationship with Jalen Hurts. How big a game can Zach Ertz have tonight for the Birds? Um, I think he could have a, a very big game. One of the problems, though, when we were talking about Jalen Hurts, has been this offense, and there's two ways to look at it, as Ed and I were kind of debating there. You know, <clears throat> if you just look at the numbers, if you just pick up the piece of paper and say, wow, he's got a lot on his plate. And then if you add the context to it, you say, does he have a lot on his plate? You know, with all the bubble script, you know, that's not the RPOs that Ed was saying that's decision-making. Yeah, but that's simplified. That's not like Peyton Manning going back in the pocket and processing the field. That's actually simplifying things for a quarterback. Um So one of the issues has been, and we've talked about it since, people started to figure out very early in the season, they're not throwing the football in the middle of the field. So why is that? Um, Nick Sirianni claims it's just what they're giving them, the the opposing defense. But I don't notice it with any other quarterbacks. Um, and I'm, you know, I can't watch all 32 teams, but certainly not veteran quarterbacks. Uh And obviously, that's where Zach Ertz has to live. So I think in a typical environment, Zach Ertz should have a very big game. Um, But if you think about the way Dallas Goddard's been used, it's been outside the numbers and yards after catch with a little bit inside, but very little. So it's kind of skewed back the impact of the tight ends, uh, to be honest. 
and because that's where they live. And until the Eagles start throwing the football consistently in the middle of the field, you're not going to have a 10 or 11 catch performance, certainly. I fear that I already have the answer to this question, but I'll run it by you anyway, because uh, I'd rather have the answer be uh, not the one that I think it's going to be. <clears throat> What's the chance of the Eagles playing with pace tonight? That when you come into a game and you know full well that the other team has a more talented roster than you, check the standings, they're four and one, you're two and three, check last year's results, you were four, 11 and one, they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, you're coming in as an underdog tonight. And sometimes <clears throat> when you're the underdog, you got to get a little drastic. One way to be drastic is you run a bit of a hurry-up offense. You try and beat the other team on the keeping guys on the field that maybe they don't want there. Todd Bowles, pretty good tactician, defensive coordinator. Handicap them a little bit by keeping your guys on the field, not allowing them to substitute. What's the chance the Eagles do at least some of that tonight against Tampa? I think they'll do some of it. They, you know, they've been successful with it a little bit. Um they generally do it to, to, you know, if they're struggling to pick up the pace to get the quarterback in a little bit of a groove. The problem is what we talked about with the coin toss. I mean, I don't want to do that. In this game, maybe again, press pause like the running game. Press pause this week, get back to that next week. Um, I want to shorten the game. So the last thing I want to do is play hurry up. I want to drain that clock. I want to use all 40 seconds, literally. I want to go on 13 play drives and keep the football out of Tom Brady's hands. That that would be if I were at Nick Sirianni's house eating Cheez-Its like Shane Steichen and, and he invited a defensive guy over, that's what I'd be saying. Now let's shorten this thing. Let's shorten this game. Then maybe I'm crazy. Maybe they'd laugh at me. Maybe whatever. But that's what I would do. I, I, I'm not going tempo. Hey, let's go tempo with Tom Brady, who, by the way, invented tempo, him and Bill Belichick. I'm exaggerating. But, um, you know, New England was one of those teams. I go all the way back to when Chip Kelly was at New Hampshire and Bill Belichick loved the guy. And he started picking his brain about tempo in the NFL. But Belichick was smart enough to – take the great things that Kelly did and take out all the stupid things, which is what has kind of defined him as a coach. And it was Indianapolis with Peyton Manning. It was New England with Tom Brady. People don't think of it that way because, uh, but they were the ones who revved up the tempo and you're playing right into their hands. If you want to do that, because they'll, they'll, they'll go tit for tat right there. They will love that. I get it. And and everything you say makes tremendous football sense. But I think you got to be drastic tonight, John. They're overmatched. The Bucs were just a better team. They're a more <clears> talented <throat> team. They're a more accomplished team. The quarterback comparison is not even close. But they are and yeah, if things, up. They if are things go badly, the final score tonight could be 40 to 17. Yeah, they, they could get absolutely blown away and crushed. But I want to take that chance. I, I, I want to go mano a mano. I think you've said it 
a bunch this week, and you're probably very right. The Eagles can't win a shootout. Yeah, I want to try and win a shootout, but I'm going to do so by catching the Bucks off guard. I'm going to do things that I think the Bucks will not expect us to do because if we just stick to what we've done, except the, hey, it's a short week, we got to live on our DNA, well, your DNA doesn't match up. You can't yeah. win the game if you're just going to do what you usually do against the Bucks. I hear you. I, I mean, they are banged up. Um, you know, maybe it comes down to we, even Tom Brady himself with the thumb. I mean, maybe we don't know. Is he healthy? He always plays. We know he's going to play. Maybe it affects him. Uh, they don't have Ryan Jensen's going to play, but he's got a hip injury. Maybe it affects him. Uh, we talked about Winfield not being there, Gronk not being there, the corners not being there, uh, Levante David not being there. They're banged up. I, I, so that alone brings them back a little bit uh, to where you are. If they're 100%, yeah, you're probably, yeah. And then you go on the back that I know we're talking about the short week too much, but they are the team on the road. No, everybody hates going on the road in the short week because of all the hurdles you have to begin with. Then you got to add that and you got to leave and you got to travel. And you got to be there, and that limits your time even more. So that's in the Eagles' favor. Um, I I kind of lean on that, and then you here here you cross your fingers and you say, "We hope we don't get their A game." I, I mean, that's yeah. You can't do that as a coach, obviously, but in in front of the players, but behind the scenes, you're crossing your fingers and hope you don't get their A game. Here's one of the reasons why I think the Eagles are in trouble tonight. Uh, your point just about the how handicapped both teams are, but more so Tampa because they're traveling, uh, is accurate and on point. I think Tom Brady could do this stuff in his sleep. Oh, yeah. Well, that's He the has problem. been doing it for so long. The fact that it's a short week. He's probably played more short games than anybody in the history of the National Football League just because he's been around longer than anybody else in the history of the National Football League at that position. Jalen Hurts is in his 10th start in the National Football League. So you're really asking him to do something he's never been done before. Even though the Eagles are home, I, I can't see that as an advantage. I just think Tampa, with their more veteran presence, with their more experienced yeah. coaching staff, with their quarterback, who's the most experienced in the history of the National Football League, I think they'll adjust this short week better than the hometown team this week. Uh, you're probably right, and that's where I said. I mean, people bring up that Doug Peterson stat about the success on Thursday nights. I I don't think it has anything to do with uh, Nick Sirianni, completely new coaching staff. And I wanted to sink my teeth into that so badly. Yeah. Six and zero oh is six and zero, oh, John. That's great. Yeah, you're right. It, it really is. doesn't have much to do with the Knights Eagle team on the field. Yeah. Um, new head coach, new defensive coordinator, new quarterback, essentially. Um, you know, obviously started four games last year, but uh, essentially a rookie quarterback. Yeah, I, I mean, I I I look at it as um, what I said in the fact that uh, if if you play your best and they don't play your best, this is the NFL. You got You'll probably have a chance in the fourth quarter. You'll probably be down a score. You might be down eight points. Uh, you might have a chance to make a big play. 
Think about last week, you know, block punt. You're going to need something crazy. You're going to need a, a strip fumble. You're probably not going to sack Tom Brady uh, again like you did in the Super Bowl. If you do get him, it's probably going to be, um, you know, a jailbreak type situation. Uh, it's not going to be consistent because, you know, he's going to get the football out uh, pretty consistently. Uh, but all it takes is one and and to shift the momentum. And you saw that down in Carolina. But, again, Carolina's not Tampa Bay. So it, it it is. And you go all the way back to when we did it, you know, when the schedule came out. And everybody looked at this game and said, oh, that's a loss. Same thing with Kansas City. Oh, that's a loss. Well, you're probably going to be right when you said that. <laughs> and here's another, um, unfortunately, pessimistic point that I feel a need to bring out. You ran down the injuries tonight for uh, Tampa Bay, and they've got a couple that aren't definitive yet. We don't know about Ryan Jensen. We know Antoine Winfield out. Uh, they didn't even put him on the plane. They said that yesterday. If he couldn't pass concussion protocol, he wasn't going to get on a plane. He didn't get on a plane. Gronk is definitely out. So they got one big one that's a maybe, and Levante David is also out. So they got a bunch that are out, and the, the big one at center is a maybe. I think he's got a better chance to play than Dallas Kyra does for the Eagles. But again, we got to wait till kickoff when we see that. Here's one of the things we're understating here in Philadelphia and here on Birds 365. No one's talking about Lane Johnson. Why? Because we kind of knew he was going to be out at the beginning of the week. Nobody's talking about Brandon Graham. Why? Because he's been out for a couple of weeks, water under the bridge. But they're going to miss him tonight. Nobody's talking about Brooks because he's been out for several weeks. And we know he's not uh, at least getting close to coming back. We know that Isaac Samalo is done for the year, so we don't even mention. Eagles have a bunch of injuries. They're just injuries that aren't questionable for return this week. Yes, Tampa had a couple of those guys, and the Eagles got the answer that they wanted. They're going to be out. Gronk was a maybe, not playing. David was a maybe, not playing. Antoine Winfield, a maybe, not playing. So they've gotten some good results. Oh, we had guys that weren't even maybes. We knew they were going to be out of the lineup and are major pieces that they're missing from the Eagle lineup because of injury. Yeah, no doubt. You're right. You you tend to forget about, you know, the 55 and 56 on the visor. Isaac Sayamalo as well, guys out for the season. You tend to move on. Um, the Eagles are deep on the offensive line. We talked about it uh, a lot uh, dating back to the summer, dating back to the spring, really, compared to other teams. You saw it in Carolina. They lose two two bad starters, and it turns into a disaster. Uh, the Eagles lose three good starters, and they're still competitive up front, which is pretty stinking impressive if you want to be positive about this team and about something with this group and what they're doing. I mean, I was just looking at the – uh, pro football focus offensive line rankings, uh, which by the way, Tampa Bay was is number three behind Dallas and Cleveland. The Eagles are number six, six with all the injuries and all the issues. Um, that is the probably the most impressive part of this Philadelphia team the fact that they have such depth on the offensive line and, and a league that is just 
a disaster in so many places. Um, I, so, I give you credit for that because you've been saying that since this summer. Yeah. You said the Eagles have very legitimate offensive line. They did get a draft pick for a guy like Matt, Matt Pryor that they traded right before the season started to Indianapolis when uh, nobody was uh, able to pull those type of deals. That's a not to uh, uh, Howie Roseman, but they have plugged guys in and they've gotten the job done on done on the offensive line. And it's not as good. I mean, you know, when you have Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Isaac, Sam Allen, it's not those guys, but it doesn't fall apart like it did for Carolina. So, I, I mean, that alone is pretty impressive. And we joke about Andre Dillard a lot. Look, this is a big test. Andre got lucky week one. Uh, when he played. Demarcus Lawrence wasn't there. He was injured. He got lucky week two. Brian Clark wasn't there. Uh, didn't play. Uh, week three, eh, Brian Burns is a pretty good player. Uh, and he did a good job. Now it really amps up with Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre. Paul's a little banged up. And I met they're going to, you know, Shaq's going to mainly, uh, you saw him in the Super Bowl, probably great, great pass rusher. If he plays well tonight, you're really cooking with gas. And now the the trade deadline is picking up. Not only does he have value November 2nd, I'm going to go so far to say you don't want to trade him now. You don't want to trade him because you don't know what's going on with Lane Johnson. What's the future with Lane Johnson? This might be your future offensive line at the tackle position. Andre Dillard at left tackle. Jordan Mylotta at right tackle. That's been – if you point to the the most positive development of the Eagles early in the season, that might be it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to rank uh, the quarterback ahead of the, the – well, I don't know if the quarterback's tackle. even going to be here next year. I mean – You don't know if, if Andre Dillon's going to be here three weeks from now. Well, that's true if, if they decide to trade him, but I don't think they can because of the uncertainty for Lane Johnson and uh, where he's going, not only from the, the off the field stuff, but from the injury standpoint before, I mean, one of this Lane was still getting swelling in his ankle, right? I mean, that was a debilitating injury, a reconstructive surgery. Um, so from that standpoint, you got a lot of uncertainty. Same thing with Brandon Brooks on the offensive line with the aging veterans uh, for a lot of reasons, Mo- mainly injury, but also the personal factors of Lane. Um, I don't know if you can aff- afford to trade them. I admit, but my point of the, the biggest surprise, the most uh, 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 pleasing development, whatever you want to call it early in the season, everybody had this guy dead and buried. Except True. for me, Jody. Well, you are, you, you stuck by him. <laughs> Uh, he's get that Christmas card, uh, come late in the year. I guarantee you it's coming. Your no, way it's funny because Brandon Graham was talking about the Ben Simmons stuff. I think on, on WIP, um, you know, early in his career, Brandon was vilified. He was described as a bust by most Eagles fans. And he was comparing himself to Ben Simmons, which is a little bit of a difference, uh, sort of time frame because Ben was good and then he sort of stagnated whereas Brandon wasn't very good wasn't very good wasn't very good then he kind of spiked so I don't necessarily think the comparison is a, is a good one no. but sometimes 
I'm, I'm bringing up Brandon's career. Sometimes guys are late bloomers. Evan Mathis, another perfect example of that. I mean, Evan Mathis was just a guy forever. And then all of a sudden he develops into one of the best guards in, in pro football late, later in his career. It, it's rare, but it happens. All right. Uh, we got to get a break in here. But before we do, I need an under-over answer from you. I'm going to set an under-over. You got to give me uh, your selection as to which way it falls in tonight's uh, Eagles and Bucks game. The under-over is number of Sharpies in the hat <laughs> of the head coach. I'm setting the under-over at two and a half. Yeah. Will he have three magic markers in the visor tonight? Will it only be two? If it's only one, you're an easy under. How many magic markers in the visor of head coach Nick Sirianni tonight? Over yeah, under two and a half. Know, um, I'm going to go over. I think it's going to be three. Um, I think that's been the, I think you need the, the orange, the yellow, and the pink. I think you got to have you got to have that dichotomy, and it's interesting because Bruce Arians has got his uh, setup, uh, his weird. He's got his mic on his chest, which, by the way, I found out is for health reasons. I'm like, what the heck is he doing? So it's a little bit, but you know, you got a couple of goopy looking coaches on the sidelines, a couple of nerds on the sidelines, and, and one other thing about Sirianni, and and you should know this, Mister Eagles beat reporter. I should probably know it too, but I'll put it more on you because you're there uh, every day. Sirianni can grow a serious beard. Oh yeah, he can rock it like fast. I can't do that. Does like, he, I did, does I he not shave on weeks that they win? They, they lost a bunch no. in a row, so all of a sudden he was pretty clean shaven there for a while. Is this a post victory? I'm gonna let it grow kind of bearded look no, out of him. A, that's a I don't have time to shave look. Shane Steichen uh, does it. The short week, yeah. no shave look. Okay, well, they I don't, get it. They don't shave much in in regular weeks, so they ain't shaving much this week. You know, football coaches, they got to wear their work ethic on their sleeves. I always thought it was stupid. Um, you know, Steve Spurrier, probably Dick Vermeil is the first when you started hearing about when he was here. You got to sleep in the office. You got to sleep in the office. I always thought it was, you know, dumb to be honest but uh you know steve spurrier used to get vilified for going golfing um at five o'clock and you know he wasn't a very good nfl coach but i don't think it was for that reason one of the guys who was famous or infamous for sleeping at the office was john gruden little did we know he was shooting off, shooting uh, off emails, emails that could get him fired at five yeah. o'clock in the morning no, that was, was at espn off. though but don't mention that Oh, don't mention ESPN. Uh, I got no problems mentioning ESPN. And uh, he was uh, sending off the emails. Uh, maybe his, it was an ESPN email he was using. I find it ironic that a investigation to the Washington football team sinks the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders, who was, at the time, a television guy for ESPN, but no, not the owner of the Washington football team that created the culture uh, that was running amok. The NFL is awful, Jody. Awful. But they're very what, good at, at deflecting attention. What is the status of uh, Mr. Schneider right now? Uh, he is 
uh, he got fined, I think, $10 million. Um, he had to step away for um, a, a period of time, and he will slowly come back. He was not uh, forced to sell the team, obviously. No. You know, they did, if you remember Jerry Richardson, uh, they did force him out. Um, so the NFL is willing to torpedo an owner, but only only if the mob, I, I don't know if I said this on, on our show or, or uh, with Krause, only if the mob pays attention. They're trying to deflect the attention away from Daniel Snyder to protect him. And everybody's down the street at John Gruden's house with the torches and pitchforks. And meanwhile, Snyder's behind the gates and nobody's paying attention. As long as that continues, he'll be fine and he'll eventually return uh, uh, as as the leader of the Washington football team. If right, people figure out they're being sold a bill of goods, uh, they'll throw them under the bus. I, I, I know this has been your take on this ever since it came down, and I'm not dismissing it. I just think you're overstating. You're leaving one big piece of the puzzle out. Who was outraged? Who was continuing haranguing about the, the Washington football team should be facing bigger issues, bigger problems, bigger suspensions, bigger punishments? Nobody was talking about that. That that had died down. Why did they feel the need to go looking elsewhere for cover? for Washington and or Daniel Snyder. It wasn't necessary. Nobody was going, and oh, by the way, the biggest black eye for the NFL is still the Washington football team. Nobody was saying that. Hey, I know you talk mob, well, the mob I, mentality, I, I but think, the mob wasn't think, looking for uh, a, a head on a pike there with Washington. Well, I bring up our buddy Dan Lust. He was. There were people I was. Um I pointed it out numerous times, and we did it on this show. When have you ever heard a lawyer, a lawyer, a law firm, not have a written report of an investigation, which is what the NFL tried to pass off? Now, you're right. I think if you look at John Gruden's emails, there's one very specific one. It's probably not the one you're thinking of. But it's oh, no. what, what I he bet called. You, I, I yeah, bet it is the one. It's I'm what he called of. the the NFL commissioner. I think they overplayed their hand. I think they thought they could do this very stealthily, get John Gruden out of there, uh, disgrace him, which they accomplished, and nobody would pick up on the back end of it. But too many people have picked up on the back end of it. Andrew Brandt being one of them, friend of the show. I mentioned Albert Breer did a great piece on Sports Illustrated uh, about it. They made a mistake. They they miscalculated. So no doubt, I hear what you're saying. That's a mistake. They made a mistake. They should have left it alone. They didn't leave it alone. I, I think it was the fact that in all of those emails that probably took them this long to go all the way through all of them, they found some stuff that they didn't like. They got a mad on for Gruden. They said, we've got the cape. We're the NFL. We can do anything we want. We'll run this snotty nose. Little well, coach I, out that, of that Vegas. I can look, I don't know. Look, I don't know what the NFL and, and when I say the NFL, obviously they do it in back channels. They're smart enough. I don't know what they dumped 
onto the New York Times, obviously there's no way to know what the sourcing is. If they got all 650,000 emails, I don't think they did, uh, but I have no way of knowing that. It seems like a targeted dump. Um, we'll see uh, if that's the case if things go by. Um, if it was a targeted dump, as I think, and I'm not the only one who thinks that, um, there was a clear uh, end game to it. The NFL, this is how they act. This is how they act. And they act this way for one reason. They know you're not changing the channel. So they feel they can do whatever the hell they want. Yep. And that's the case here. And they overplayed their hand because now people are back on the Washington football team. You're right. It was in the rearview mirror and they got a little bit too, uh, what are you want to call it? Hubris, whatever. Uh, they overplayed their hand. Bottom right. line. My, my read, and uh, again, it's from afar. They were reviewing all this information. They had gotten to the point where they took their penalty against Snyder as maybe underwhelming as it was, as to what some people believe it should have been. And they're going through the stuff and going, and this little pain in the you-know-what, John Gruden, how dare he? He's taking shots. He's doing it. He do, and he's saying this about the league? Who does he think he He realizes he's spitting on the shield? We'll teach him to spit on the shield. We'll start leaking this stuff. I think it was no more than I don't think it was to try and hide anything. I think it was an aggressive. We're going to defend ourselves with somebody who's taking shots at us. You want to go mano a mano? You want to take shots at the NFL group? Boy, well, oh, I got to tell you. Watch John, us fire back. I got to tell you, John Gruden is not the only one who says this league is a joke when it comes to the penalties and the 57 flags and the, and the, I say it all really? the time. No, no. Who else? Who's, oh, who's I'm saying, making their living off the NFL? Who else is saying that? I'm saying behind the scenes. I'm saying coaches behind the scenes. They're like everybody else. They hate all the flags. And they're not hiding it. I mean, there's no reason to hide that. I don't think they have a problem with that kind of stuff. I think it was very personal. We all know, I'm not going to say on the show, obviously, what he called the commissioner of this league. Um, I think it was very personal from that aspect. But the, I don't like 30 flags a game. I don't like all these stoppages, that kind of stuff. That's fucking common sense. And I curse there. Nobody likes it. Nobody likes it. Uh, I understand that, but I'm he uh, Gruden in those emails took it to another level. He did make it personal with the commissioner. Yeah, the, 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 you go ahead, you pick up that uh, that that uh, if you want a challenge. Okay, throw the challenge flag on Roger Goodell. Throw it in his face. There's going to be a response. Question the overall league and the general generality of how over officiated yeah. they are. Yeah, that that you can get away with, but yeah. you make it a uh, personal attack at the commissioner. Guess yeah. what? They're going to come and in. I'm with it. This league is awful, Jody. Awful. Awful the way they handle their business. It is a awful league run by an awful commissioner. Uh, and they think they are bulletproof. And to be honest, they're right. Because as I say, fans are not going to turn it off. And they know it. And they know it. And that's how they, that's the way. That's the reason I put this on Twitter. When you want to boil it all down, 
and explain the NFL, that's the reason the way they act the way they act, because they know they're bulletproof. They, they come at it from a position of strength. There is no question about that. I, I just think that the commission has got a tough job because there are so many oh, different he's got a in, tough job. He's interests got a tough. that go in different directions. And uh, they're all trying to get a competitive advantage. So when penalties need to be merited out, they're all trying to influence. He's got 32 big time bosses that have different agendas. Yeah. There's a reason why they pay him a lot well, of money. It I, ain't I, easy being the commissioner of the national. No, no, it's not. It's not. But I will say I've defended this league on certain circumstances. Like I think when people look at this league and I know we got to get to the, to a break. So I'll finish this up real quick. But uh, when I, I've defended this league, when people look to this league, it's the national football league, it's entertainment. And when you want them to be leaders on social issues or things like that, I defend them. I go, go, go to you. Go to your family, go to your church, go to your friends. Don't expect the NFL to tell you what to do in your personal life. It's an entertainment vehicle. I defend them when stuff like that. But when they act the way they act and when it's coming to court cases, even something as as, uh, Tom Brady's coming in tonight, you can go online today and find a 500-page report on depleted footballs, but you can't find any written report on on workplace uh, culture and environment where people are forcing cheerleaders to uh, pose nude. I, I I can't defend them on stuff like that. I I can't. Right, and I I can answer that question for you real simply, John. One was about a player, one was about a boss. Exactly. Roger Goodell's got and that's what Albert bosses. Greer wrote. Everybody should read Albert's column, SI.com. Brought up Tex Schramm's old quote about uh, you're the cattle, we're the ranchers. You're exactly right. Yeah, and uh, the players will never be treated. And, and players get some – they've got a lot of cachet, and they get some uh, breaks in the way that uh, information is allowed out and the like. Coaches, not near as much. Players, the order, the the preferential order of protection in the NFL is owners, massive drop-off. Players, m- even more of a drop-off maybe to coaches. That's how the way you're going to be protected by the league. John Gruden was in that l- lesser class. There was no way he was getting any uh, uh, protection from the league. He took shots that were indefensible, and that's why he's without a job right now. All right, Johnny Mac and I off on a little bit of a tangent. We'll come back here. Uh, we got uh, one segment left on a game day edition of Birds comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. 
our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder. And it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at mesalaw.com. Mesa & Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the game. Go for the hits. Go for the fans. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. Down the home stretch of a game day edition of Birds 365 uh, Eagles and Bucks tonight. And yes, we promise we got 20 minutes left. We'll talk about the game. But I do have one more NFL slash John Gruden run out of town uh, question for my partner here. Um, we know his name has been mentioned often, but I've not seen anybody uh, expound on, and I surely don't know, and I don't know if you know. Bruce Allen was the guy that Gruden was exchanging the emails with. He was the president of the Redskins yeah. at the time. And apparently they had some kind of relationship. Don't know how, where it was formulated, but they felt comfortable enough emailing each other back and forth. And Gruden saying the very foolish things that he said, the fireable things and offenses that he said. Where is Bruce Allen these days? Is he just... Uh, up uh, enjoying uh, uh, an Indian summer in Martha's Vineyard or somewhere off the Carolina shore? Is he going low profile? Nobody has gotten, talk about the white whale. Um, Nobody has gotten an interview with Bruce Allen these days as to what was John Gruden really thinking when he shot off all these emails to you, big guy, and you're the reason that they came out because you had them in your file and we were investigating the Washington football team. What's Bruce Allen up to these days? Uh, I don't know. He got fired after 2019, I think, uh, from from Washington. And obviously that, uh, that whole situation... Uh, uh, didn't go well uh, for for the entire organization. So it's not like people were lining up to talk about Bruce Allen as a general manager or team president. No. So uh, now, obviously, it's not going to work at all. But yeah, he was in. I'm I'm pretty sure he's in Oakland with uh, John Gruden. Um, 
and then Tampa Bay as well. Um, he was uh, the GM in Tampa Bay for a large portion of the time that uh, that John Gruden was the head coach there. So uh, they had a long-term relationship, and they were obviously very comfortable uh, yeah. talking talking in different ways. So, you know, but then I, I hate to do that because, you know, then you look at, and this is where I, I take a divergent path from a lot of people who like to assume, well, John Gruden knew this guy, John Gruden knew that guy. John Gruden was in Philadelphia and everybody ever associated with John Gruden. How did you not know John Gruden was a, this is the real John. I, you know, I, I, I don't like that part of it, but yeah, a lot of twenty twenty hindsight. Yeah. I don't like that part of it. Um, but I don't feel sorry for John Gruden. I mean, you know, show some uh, decorum and, and, you know, don't act like that. You, even if it's, especially when you're in a position where everybody knows you uh, and everybody, um, uh, you know, but it is uh, that part of it again, and we're talking about it. And that's what my bigger point is in a certain way, I respect the NFL because what, what are we talking about? We're talking about John Gruden. They deflect issues. They're brilliant at it. That's one thing they're brilliant at. They deflect from the bigger issue. Now, I, the, the Eagles have some issues tonight in that the team that's coming in to face them is pretty damn good. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 4-1. and one. They are the defending Super Bowl champions. They've got a quarterback who is arguably the greatest of all time. A pretty damn good coach who uh, has had a lot of success in the league for a lot of years. Up against the still wet behind the years, Nick Sirianni-led Eagles. Still wet behind the years, Jalen Hurts-led Eagle offense in his 10th career start. What did the Eagles have going for them tonight? Well, they are <laughs> home. It is in front of a raucous link crowd, I think. Uh, people will believe in the potential of an upset when they first come through the gates. That's why I brought up the point about if you win the stupid coin flip, take the ball, at least go down fighting. Say, yeah, we want the football. We think we can move it against this Tampa defense through the air. Probably not on the ground, but we're going to come out. And we're going to let our guy Jalen show off and make Brady respond to him. Yeah, I mm. think it's a little wishful thinking, but... Then is there any chance Sirianni does that tonight? He said, give us the football. Let us take it down the field first. Yeah, he did it once. He did do it in the opener um, against Atlanta. So he's willing to do it. I think if this is, you know, I think, and I have to look back at Dallas, Kansas City, who won the coin toss. But I know, let's face it, it's typical. Again, it's Bill Belichick was probably the first one who came up with the thought process of, and this is the best way for any NFL game to go is to sandwich the first half and the second half with scores. You totally debilitate a team. So if you defer and get the football, you know, you're getting the football in the second half and you get the foot and you work the clock and manage it and you score at the end of the first half, come out and score again, you're going to win. You're going to win all those games. It's going to be, really the percentage is going to be high. So that's sort of the copycat thinking everybody has. I, I'm with you, Jody. We we agree. We don't agree on some things. We agree on this. 
man, uh, you got to be like Jonathan Gannon says when he tries to say, I don't have a scheme. What he really means is he's malleable from week to week. You got to be malleable from week to week. You got to say, yeah, you know what? I want to shorten this game. Typically, I want the ball in the second half. Not this week. I want to set the tone. I agree with you. I would have done the same thing against Kansas City, Dallas, any top five offense. I want the ball to shorten the game. Now, if you don't execute and you're three and out and you're punting the football, you're like, that didn't work. Oh, well. But the plan was sound. I think that plan is sound. All right. Let's see if we agree on this one. If I were to point to one guy who I think has got a chance to have a breakout game tonight for the Philadelphia Eagles, it would be Devonta Smith. He has had one 100-yard game in his early career. He has – here's a stat that I looked up today that is an unfortunate one, but I think can be halted tonight. Devonta Smith on his first catch in the history of the National Football League Scored a touchdown, correct? You were there in Atlanta. Johnny Mack, you saw that with your own two eyes, right? Yeah, I mean, and by the way, I think I I, I have an issue with breakout. I think he's played pretty well, to be honest. I, right. I, but I hear what you're saying. I mean, uh, that was the first play of the first game of the season, right? How many touchdown grabs has he had since? Well, yeah. I mean, the Eagles get every touchdown called back. He had a touchdown, but he stepped out of bounds. Yes, he had one of those last yeah. week, but uh, he has not had a touchdown since. Yeah. Wow. First catch ever, six points, put it on the board, and we've gone five games since, and he hasn't had a touchdown catch. So I am absolutely predicting a Devonta Smith touchdown catch tonight, maybe even two, and I think he has his Second 100-yard game for his NFL career. Richard Sherman thrown into the deep end of the pool. Probably going to draw coverage on a cup, on him a couple of times, even though they, too, like the Eagles, play a bunch of zone defense. Because that's what Richard Sherman's good at. He's not as good a man, man-to-man coverage corner as some people make him out to be. Oh, I think uh, Devontae is going to be able to find the creases in that zone. We know how good a route runner he is. Is Alabama Bud's going to throw him the football uh, a lot tonight? I say, if not double-digit catches, at least eight, over 100 yards, one for a touchdown tonight for Devonta Smith. Well, I'm going to I'm gonna agree with you. I don't know about that. I, I don't think they're a high-volume enough team to get to double-digit catches, uh, high-volume enough passing team. Uh they're never going to be the accuracy. There's never going to be the 30, 35 completions. Um, so I don't know about the double-digit catches, but I'm going to agree with you on the 100 yards. But I'm also going to say Richard Sherman's going to get a pick in this game. Do you think so? Yeah, he's going to get a pick in this game. He's too savvy. He's too smart. You're right. He's a cover three guy. He's a zone corner. He might be the smartest corner, the, the guy – the guy most likely to bait you into an interception, he's going to bait a young quarterback into an interception. So I'm going to go both ends of that spectrum. All right. Uh, I hope you're wrong about that one. And when he was on the top of his game, I think he could do that. Yeah. Maybe he's not the same guy. I mean, he just came back, but I think he, 
that that football IQ doesn't go away. That part of it doesn't go away. So I'm gonna I'm but gonna say he's gonna get the Lions. Goes down a little bit the older you get, and the fact that he's been inactive. Not for Tom Brady. No, Brady, it never goes away. But he, he kind of stays on top yeah. of those things. Richard Simmons ringing doorbells. By yeah, the way, I just figured out how the Eagles win the game. Go ahead. Lay it on me. I just figured out. There is a – there is – at Will Call, there is a ticket left for Father Time, and he finally shows up tonight this with a Sith. What does uh, he carry? He carries a Sith. With a Sith, I don't know if he gets that through security, but a father time picks up that ticket at will call and finally shows up. The Eagles win the game. These these last four days, father time finally showed up. Nowhere to be found last week when Brady threw for 400, <laughs> 400 yards maybe, and five touchdowns. These maybe, four days what marks the arrival Maybe, of Father Time? I'm not saying huh? he's gonna wear. Uh, it's like Jerry Glanville leaving tickets for Elvis. Elvis never showed up, but I'm saying the ticket is there, Father Time. If you want to come down, maybe he lives in Philadelphia. Maybe he doesn't like to travel. I don't know. I'm just saying. I'm looking for. I'm looking for an optimistic slant on the game. Yeah, uh, and I I appreciate your optimism, even though it's not steeped in any. Reality, we can <laughs> kind of dig our heels into since no, Brady did no. what he did last week. Um, I do think the Eagles are going to move the football tonight. I think they're going to throw for a bunch of yards. I think Jalen Hurts might have the highest number, you know, with all the wagering that we do these days. You got uh, the line, then you got under overs, then you got teasers and props, and this, that, and player props, and how many yards they're going to get. I think that Jalen Hurts might have the second highest number for yards this week in the National Football League. Only behind Tom Brady, who is going up against the Eagles defense. Uh, but the Tampa defense, we know, gives up a ton of yards passing. That's why I'm saying Devonta Smith is going to have a big game. I think he is going to be the main target. No God, And I'm assuming no Goddard tonight. Ertz, uh, give me a number on Ertz. What do you think Ertz is over under on yards? Is going to I'm going to go seven for 70. For Zach Ertz. Okay. Yeah, that that may cut into the Devonta Smith some. I need to see Zach Ertz to get 70 yards. I hope Zach Ertz gets 70 yards for the catches, but I'm not exactly sure. That's assuming Dallas doesn't play, of course. Right. Now we're both working under that assumption. All right. I've got a high scoring game tonight that will be won by the visiting team. Johnny Mack, you need to give me a score on tonight's Eagles Bucks. I am going 34 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 22 Philadelphia Eagles, 34 34 to 22. 22. All right. Uh, Our boy Ed Game Day Kratz went 35 21. I guess I'm very close on the score. Yeah. A little more optimistic on the Eagles putting up uh, yards and points and the like because I got it 36 27. Buck, maybe uh, they get involved in the two-point conversion thing. Maybe they miss one. Although Elliott was pretty damn good last week. He was a big part of that win. That was the biggest part of that win. You know, Michael Clay talked about it. I mentioned it a little bit. That 58-yard field goal completely shifted the momentum. Everybody talked about the block punt. Block punt was big. Don't get me wrong. But they were dead in the water when he kicked that 58-yard field goal at the end of the half. And that, that picked the guys up a little bit. 
if he missed it, you're right. I think it actually has a major effect on the game. So we should give Elliott his credit. Maybe he misses one. Maybe they are because they're behind. They got to go for two. Maybe they convert. Maybe they don't. So it gets it on a bit of a funky number. Um, we'll see how it actually plays out tonight. But I think it's more, sorry, Eagle fans, if you're wagerers, they're a seven-point underdog tonight. I would have to lay it with the Bucs. Not a major play. Not, oh, my God. Like, when they played Kansas City, I said I thought they were going to lose by 20 points. And it would have been damn close to 20 if they didn't get the, oh, by the way, touchdown. Which, by the way, John, um, and I've heard a couple people make overt cases for Jalen Hurts. And he's already won the job going forward. And I continue to say, please stop. Those who want to say he can't do it, he's not an NFL quarterback. I don't know, like Mike Garofolo on our show last week, which got a major, <laughs> major amount of feedback, at yeah. least on my Twitter. People yeah, he were, got, yeah. Well, people, I, I do think, first of all, Jalen Hurts already proved he can play quarterback in the NFL. He, the, that's not the question. The question is, can he be a winning quarterback in the NFL? He's certainly one of the best 32 quarterbacks in the world. But that's not what you want. You want a guy that is capable of bringing you to the playoffs and then hopefully down the road even further. Um, that's the question. He's already proved he's a he's an NFL quarterback. Question is, is he a good NFL quarterback? Right. And I, uh, um, with you, he's an, is he an elite quarterback? Is he a, we'll use the air quotes, franchise quarterback? That we don't know yet. And And people want to take a stance and make a statement about they already know he's a franchise quarterback. Why are we even thinking about uh, using draft capital on it? No. Well, we got our quarterback. And I got, don't know that. By the and way, anybody Jody, who says, I know he stinks. He can't get it done. He shouldn't even be a quarterback in the NFL. He's not a friend. You don't know that either. Two and weeks, this is going to be a real nice test for him this week against a very good team and a pretty good quarterback on the other side. Unless, of course, Father Time shows up tonight, which I'm not sure it will. But pick up, pick uh, up this the is a ticket. big game for Jalen. We got two guys who I have tremendous respect for. Back-to-back days, Barrett Brooks and Ed Kratz. Two great guys saying, Eagles take a linebacker in the first round. What are we in? You know, what are we in? Narnia? I mean, come on. Let's be realistic. They're not taking – they're not building – they're not taking three first-round picks on defense, number one. Uh, in, in Jeffrey Lurie's Eagles. So let's be honest about it. So the question is always, you know, I think the bigger question, I've said this for a number of weeks now, does Jeffrey Lurie want to run this type of offense to take advantage of the strengths of Jalen Hurts? I think that's the question. I really do. And I don't know the answer to that, but I would lean towards probably no. All right, uh, since we referenced it earlier today, which was great, and I'd completely forgotten the fact that it was a Thursday night game, the infamous beat the Green Bay Packers in Green Bay as a major underdog, and then the subsequent meeting afterwards between Harry Roseman, Jeff Laurie, and Doug Peterson went out when uh, Jeffrey said, why didn't we throw the football more? Hello, you beat Aaron Rodgers in his house. And you're second-guessing the Which play I, I, I think I told this story. Uh, if you remember it, tell me. That was an organizational meeting. So the thing I love about that is that I was able to find that out. You know, Don Smolensky is in that meeting. And I just picture in my head, 
because Don is the president of the Eagles, deals with more of the business side, the community side. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking Jeffrey Lawyer is asking Doug Peterson, why didn't you run the ball more? And then he went to the minutes and, hey, Don, how's that recycling effort going? That's kind of what I picture in my mind. But, yeah, Doug Peterson you, did you'd not like, like You'd that. like to see the minutes of that meeting, yeah. huh? All right, well, here's my question for you, John McMullen, and we got to wrap this bad boy up. Will we at some point, organizational meeting or not, Don Smolinski in the room or not, will Jeff Laurie at some point say to Nick Sirianni, hey, okay, we know he can work pretty well with an RPO, but we're really not, we've never been an RPO to Chip Kelly. We did RPOs, that kind of blew up. We had to move away from that. We went to Doug, now we're back to you. Can you just run a non-RPO offense with this kid and let us get a look at that and see if he can win different ways in the National Football League. We've acknowledged that he's pretty good in the RPO, but in case we don't have an RPO offense, does Jeff Lurie uh, put that task to Nick Sirianni to find out further uh, if Jalen Hurts Yeah, I've said, when does that conversation happen? When does that conversation happen between, you know, and throw Howie in there as well? Because right. I, I think they have to have that conversation. I think they have to learn... And I've said this for a number of weeks, as I said, they have to learn if Jalen Hurts can run the type of offense that they want. And what type of offense do they want? Tampa Bay. Look at that offense. Look at Kansas City's offense. That's how they want to play. Now, it's tough to get the quarterback to play that type of offense, but that's where they want to be. Can he, can he run that type of offense? I don't know. He's more likely a a Lamar Jackson type offense. Now Lamar is such a dynamic player, and I know we got to go. Right. You might be willing to change your philosophy for Lamar Jackson. Are you willing to change your philosophy to Jalen Hurts? I think that's the bigger question. Are right. you willing to change your philosophy for Jalen Hurts? Last question, and then we are going to wrap this up. Neither Mac nor I think the Eagles are going to win tonight. I think it'll be a little bit closer than either Ed or, or John does. Um, supposedly, Jeff Lurie was a mover and shaker in the decision-making process to uh, draft Jalen Hurts. Yes. Does that say Jeff didn't think it through? If he was a guy that you were probably going to have no, to run? Jeff, Jeff just wanted a cost-effective backup quarterback. And okay. he thought it was a value pick. And he thought it was a value pick, and they were going to invent this little thing. It's interesting. You know, Greg Roman's uh, rushing offense is something the Eagles have been enamored with. Uh, we'll talk about this n- next week. I was able to get uh, a copy of Greg Roman's run installs from way back in San Francisco. It's, by the way, it's like 150 pages. It's ridiculous. Um, they were enamored with that. They thought they could be this ahead of the curve team that could have this sort of Jalen would come in for a package of plays and, and Jeffrey's always thinking about the next big thing. And then it goes back to the original thing. And it's, but he did want Jalen hurts, but he wanted Jalen hurts as a cost-effective backup. I say this all the time. The plan was for Carson Wentz to be the franchise quarterback. They never wavered off that plan. Never for a second until he played himself out of it. 
That's why I did not have a problem with the pick when they made it, but it has gone in a different direction than anybody thought. All right. Unfortunately, I don't think Father Time is picking up his ticket tonight. Tom Brady will be Tom Brady. We'll see if that is the case. John McMullen will be down there till about four o'clock in the morning. Then we'll quick turn around, get him right back on here with us. Eight o'clock tomorrow morning, 22 hours from now. And oh, by the way, coverage all day on the birds here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. So keep it right where you've got it. Jay Mack and I will be back in 22. Good luck to the Eagles tonight. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify.